Shepherds were quietly watching their sheep in the fields. The angels appeared. Just think about the different things that you know about the Christmas story, about the birth of Jesus, and how it transformed all of history. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, thank you for that night. Jesus, the night you left the glory and splendor of heaven to come and be born to a young peasant couple. Lord, uh, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, born in a stable. Lord, you did it for us. You did it for me. You did it for each one of us. He did it for you. You did it for all of humanity. Generations past, generations to come. Because of God's great love. Lord, you loved your people too much to leave us the way we were. So you sent a Savior to rescue us, to save us from our sin. Lord, someday we're going to join that choir of angels and those heavenly hosts. And Lord, we're going to be singing your praises throughout all of creation, throughout all of eternity, Lord. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to do it today. Lord, I thank you for the privilege that we have of celebrating your birth. But Jesus, your birth was just the beginning of the story. Your life, your death, your sacrifice, your resurrection. Lord, the fact that you're coming again, Christmas story continues. Lord, it's not something that happened, but it's something that continues to happen. And Lord, we thank you for what you've done, for what you're doing, and for what you're going to do. Lord, touch hearts and lives today. Bring healing and wholeness to, to bodies and to lives. Lord, restore things that the enemy has sought to destroy, to rob, steal, and kill in our lives. But Lord, just continue to do your work of grace in each one of us. Lord, may the true spirit of Christmas be alive in each one of our hearts. I thank you and I praise you in the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 You may be seated. Thank you very much, worship team. Hey, Merry Christmas. Y'all look good. Y'all sounded good. I like seeing the red out there. This is the closest I had to red. It's not a real Christmassy red, but it was red nonetheless. I know some of our kids, I think all the kids are excited. Some of the adults are excited. Any of you adults excited that it's Christmas Eve? Yeah, I'm excited too, but I think I'm excited to see people's lives as we celebrate. I remember a couple of Christmases that have been on Sunday morning, but I don't remember, and I I know it's happened in my 62 plus Christmases, but I don't remember a Christmas Eve on a Sunday, and, uh, but I know it's bound to happen, none of them stand out in my mind, but this one's going to stand out in my mind and heart for a long time because of what Jesus is stirring in my heart and in your heart, 
and what he's doing in our lives. We've been celebrating Advent for the last several weeks, and it's been kind of a non-traditional format of, of Advent, and you know, there's, there's lots of traditions with Advent. There's lots of different ways to do it, and I don't think there's a right or wrong way, at least if your perspective is like mine. We've written, we've lit these three previous candles, and these candles, the red ones, typically would represent love, joy, peace, and hope. And Jesus came to express God's love to us. He came to restore joy in our world. He came to give us peace about the future, and love, joy, hope, and peace. Whichever one I miss, Jesus came to provide all of those the center candle is the Christ candle, which is typically lit in the Christmas Eve service. Well, this is our Christmas Eve service, so we're going to light the Christ candle today. But in Jesus Christ, everything is embodied. Love, joy, hope, peace, the promise of eternity, the promise of forgiveness, the promise of salvation, of restoration, of reconciliation, all of this. In fact, when we're singing the song about the great I am, you know, that, uh, the story of the great I am, that, that line comes from originally in the Bible from where Moses is encountered by the, by the Lord in the burning bush in the wilderness. The Israelites had been in bondage for over 400 years, and God said, I'm sending a deliverer, and he called Moses out of the burning bush. And Moses, talking to the Lord in the burning bush, Moses says, who should I tell them sent me? Talking about the people of Israel. He said, tell them I am sent you. Now, there's not a really good translation of that into the English language. And I remember in my studies, I ran across this once, and I'll never forget it. In God telling Moses, I tell them the I am, the great I am sent you, it was like God writing Moses a blank check and telling him everything that you will ever need, I am providing. In the Gospel of John, there's seven I am statements that Jesus makes. He says, I am the bread of life, I am the light of the world, I am the resurrection and the life, I am the way, the truth, and the life, I am the good shepherd, I am the sheep gate to the sheep, and there's a seventh one in there. Anybody remember what it is? There's a seventh I am statement in there. Somebody will be texting me or something before it's over. There's a seventh one in the Gospel of John, and I can't recall it right now. But Jesus is all that we need. He provides us everything that we have need of in our lives. Now, that's not saying it's going to be easy, but Jesus gives us the grace to get through it. I've shared this before. I was at a funeral service a couple of years ago for a friend of mine's father. And near the, past, near the end of the service, the pastor said, if you accept Jesus as your Savior, he'll fix everything that's messed up in your life. I cringed. I thought, oh, don't be saying that. Now, Jesus will give me grace to get through everything that's going on in my life. But you know what? We live in a real world with real storms and real difficulties. But in Jesus, the great I am, we find all that we have need of. So today, as we light this Christ candle, as you see this white candle lit, just realize that that represents Jesus. And he's provided everything that you and I have need of. He'll give us the grace to get through it. He'll give us the strength to persevere. I mean, he's the one who brings life out of death. He's the one who causes the blind eyes to, to see and the death to hear. He's the one who does all those things, but he gives us the grace and the peace. 
I want to read from our Advent devotional. I know several of you have told me that you've been reading along with this. There's still a few of them out there on the counter if you want to pick one up and join in or, or save it for next year. But this is day 24 to 25. Um, and uh, the scripture is from Ephesians 2.10 that says, He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. If you want to get your joy back, first you've got to admit it's gone. Then spend time figuring out the cause, what happened. When you get your why, you're able to correct what's wrong. Soon your attitude will shift toward one of gratitude. Anybody lost their joy this Christmas season, shopping or anything like that? You know, sometimes the season can wear on us. But there are three more steps to recovering your joy. The first one is to spend time with God every day. Spend time with God every day. It may be hard to imagine that God wants to spend time with you. He's got a lot of things going on. But throughout Scripture, God invites us to come into his presence. Joy comes when we spend time with God daily because we learn to hear his voice and find out what he wants us to do with our lives. The more time you spend with God, the deeper your friendship with him becomes. The second thing to do in recovering your joy is find a way to give back. The Bible says this in Ephesians, he has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. God has planned for each one of us to do good things for him. In tough times, though, it's easy to become self-centered. But the truth is, the more you focus on yourself, the more joy you lose. You need to find a way to give back. Once you take the focus off yourself, you'll find your joy returning. The author says, I've traveled around the world and I've been in many closed countries where people are persecuted for their faith in Jesus Christ. But you know what I've discovered? The persecuted Christians are the most joyful people in the world. Why? Because it means something to them. They're not casual, take it or leave it Christians. The right to worship and their freedom in Christ means something to them. And they're far more joyful. I just, something just hit me with this. You know, I don't want anybody to raise a hand, but how many of us take our Christianity for granted in America? How many of us take our privilege to worship God the way we want to worship God for granted? You know, there are people in the world that they take it seriously because that's all they've got. And then the third thing about recovering your joy is tell somebody about Jesus. Nothing will restore your joy faster than becoming concerned about the salvation of a friend. The Bible says that every time somebody accepts the Lord, they throw a party in heaven. (laughs) Did you know that? There is more joy in heaven over one sinner who changes heart and life. The day you stepped across the line, they threw a party in heaven for you. And the day you helped somebody learn about the Lord, there's going to be a party in your heart. The joy returns as you share with others. I want to challenge you during these days. Don't let the joy of the Lord depart from your heart. Amen? We're going to, uh, I'm going to ask our ushers if they would come and uh, prepare to receive our tithe and offering. And uh, got a couple of announcements to share. Maybe before we take the offering, uh, Charles has asked if he could uh, share something. So, Charles, I'm going to go ahead and let you do this. While Charles is coming, just a couple of quick announcements. Uh, we'll be worshiping next Sunday, New Year's Eve. I've got a special message, First Things First. And then the next Sunday, we're going to start a new series that I'm calling... Uh, um, So from Ecclesiastes 3, for everything there is a season, for everything there is a season, 
And then the second Sunday in January the 14th, we'll be having our annual uh, congregational membership meeting. It'll be part of our, just a small part of our service. We'll be ratifying new council members and just sharing some vision and plans uh, and some big things in store for 2024 as we break into the new year. So Charles, and uh, Charles, why don't you just pray over the offering and we'll receive the offering after you share your announcement, okay? All right, I can do that. Well, hello and good morning, everyone. Good morning. All right. Oh, hang on. Multitasking here. I'm going to drop those off there. Hey, I would like to have the current, uh, the council, join me here on the platform, if they would, for a few moments. And they think they know why they're coming up here, but I have a surprise for them. Don't be scared. And also, Pastor Bob, I'd like for you to join us as well up here, please. Make room for this guy right here in the middle. Now, what this group doesn't realize is that what you're looking at is the latest rendition of Bob and the Imitations. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not practiced for that. No, I'm just kidding. Um, in similar fashion to... Uh, I'm the only nope. one that can do that. Nope, I do it quite often. In similar fashion to uh, Pastor Bob recognizing and showing love and appreciation for his staff, we as a church family and a council want to take this time to uh, recognize our senior pastor and uh, we want to thank him for loving us well leading us well and shepherding us well we do appreciate you um, um, I don't know I just can't say enough personally for uh, you know everything that you uh, you've done for us in 2023 we've had a blessed prosperous year and um, just wanted to take just a moment and say thank you we love and appreciate you and I don't need to be or want to be the only person talking up here. So, is there... <laughs> service doesn't end unless they all say something. Let's we might pressure on them. We might need some new council members. <laughs> More to come on that. Uh, Pastor Bob, thank you. Thank you so very much. All right. Don't go anywhere. Don't go anywhere. All right. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity. Um, what a wonderful time of the year that we celebrate. Um, Lord, help us not to take it for granted. Uh, th this day, this season, there's 365 days a year that we ought to be uh, in some form or fashion uh, remembering this very special time and this very special occasion. Father, we just ask for your blessings upon the, the gift that we are about to receive, the gifts. doesn't matter the size. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter if it's monetary. We just ask that you would just bless the gift, bless the giver, and that we would steward whatever it is 
that is brought into the storehouses of World Worship Center, we want to steward that well. And for all these things, we say thank you. It's in your son's name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Amen. As Charles said that we've had a, a good year. We have had a good year, and we'll be sharing uh, some of those results and what we've experienced this year at World Hope uh, in our meeting in a couple of weeks on January 14th. So God has continued to bless us as we've sought to be a blessing in our world. Um, thank you. I love you all, and I appreciate you all. Um, I made a commitment that we we're going to be wrapping up the service in an hour. So take off the 15 minutes that Charles talked. And uh, <laughs> if, if we go past, we're on Charles's time. And the council's time, not Pastor Bob's time. You notice on the table here, we have Advent and we have Communion. And when I came in this morning, and I appreciate Charles coming in early and getting our Communion elements ready. But when I came in this morning and saw it, I thought, you know, Advent represents... Jesus coming. Communion represents what Jesus did for us in coming and giving his body to be broken and his blood to be shed on the cross for our sin and for our forgiveness and for all that we have need of. But then over here we have uh, the, the manger scene, but instead of a baby in the manger, there's a crown because Jesus is the king. He came as a baby. He lived his life as a sacrifice for us but he's coming back as our conquering king. Let that sink in. Just in these visual elements, let that sink in for a moment. Today's Christmas Eve service is probably a little bit different than any that I've ever done before. Our text today, and it's not going to be on the screen, it's going to come from Hebrews. So if you want to turn in your Bible or your digital device or whatever to Hebrews chapter 10, verses 4 through 10, we'll be sharing that in just a couple of minutes. But most of us are very familiar with the Christmas poem, Twas the Night Before Christmas. Everybody's heard The Night Before Christmas? Okay. Clement Clark Moore wrote it in 1823. It's referred to as the best known verse ever written by an American. I want you to, to say it with me, just the first few lines. Twas the night before Christmas when all through the house not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. That's as far as I'm going. If you know the rest of it, share it over lunch, all right? But t'was the night before Christmas when all through the house not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. Moore, as he wrote this, gave us a picture of Christmas Eve that we've all heard. And we've allowed this image to be embedded into our memory and our intellect. I remember some Christmas Eves growing up. Um, my family, uh, you know, my, my dad would take us to this place in Rock Hill, South Carolina called Budden's, B-U-D-D-I-N apostrophe S. It was the name of the, the owner of the company. It's who my grandfather bought candy for for his neighborhood store. And they had this, uh, this wholesale place that you could go and toys were on display and stuff. So my dad would set aside a Saturday to take us and we would go figure out what Santa Claus was going to bring us for Christmas. Okay. So we would go out and we'd have time to look up and down the aisles and see what we wanted. And then we would go back through with my dad and with a salesman and we would point, we want this, we want that, we want this. Now there's me, my brother, and my sister. 
I doubt if we ever got everything we pointed at because we were young enough that we really didn't realize what was going on. If I realized what was going on, there's different things I would have pointed at today than I did when I was seven, eight, nine years old. And then sometime later on, those products would be delivered to my grandfather's store. And as we got a little older and a little nosier, we began to snoop and we found our Christmas. So we had an idea of what we were getting. Well, then Christmas Eve, after we were sent to bed, my dad would put everything out underneath the Christmas tree. So, you know, whether you believe in Santa Claus or not, people said pastors shouldn't believe in Santa Claus. I, I got a display of Santa Clauses sitting in my bay window at home. First time they've been out in a few years, but, you know, I don't want to rock anybody's theological boat this morning. One of my favorite pieces in that collection is Santa kneeling at the manger, worshiping the baby Jesus. So whatever your theology is today, don't let me mess that up. I'm talking about a story from my childhood. And we'd get up that morning, of course, all this stuff was out. Well, me and my brothers, we got a little bit older. We would pretend like we were asleep. Anybody else ever pretend like they were asleep on Christmas Eve? And after my dad would go to bed, we'd get, now my dad doesn't know this, so if you're watching on live stream, don't tell my dad about this. But me and my brother would slip into the living room and we would find something, we'd take it back to our bedroom, we'd begin playing with it. I mean, any, anybody, anybody else ever do something like, come on, fess up. Tim, anybody, me and Tim, we're the only bad guys in the whole room, Tim, just you and me. Well, don't sneak any peeks this afternoon underneath your Christmas tree, all right? Because somebody might be watching. But we had this little dog named Shorty. And one night, me and my brother had gotten up and gotten a present, taking it back to our room. And somehow the dog made some kind of noise. And my dad gets up. And he goes to see what it is. And he comes and he opens mine and my brother's door. I'm glad we had a small house and we heard what was going on because we'd hit the toys and we were asleep when my dad opened the door. It was the night before Christmas, all through the house, not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse except the kids. So some of you parents need to be watching your kids, put the nanny cam out there. Now, Nate Candace have a nanny cam. If my grandkids get out in their presence, they'll get alert and they'll, they'll know about it, you know. So watch out, modern technology will get you in trouble. But Moore gave us this picture that's been uh, in, embedded into our memory and our intellect. We've heard the story countless times about what it looks like the night before Christmas in homes around the world. But I want to ask you, what might that night before the very first Christmas have looked like in heaven? Think about it with me. What might that night before the very first Christmas have looked like in heaven? Think about that for a minute. In heaven, what was going on the night before the very first Christmas that the world had ever known? The writer of Hebrews hints at what that might have looked like in heaven that night. Let me read to you our text from Hebrews 10, verses 4 through 10. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. Therefore, when he came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you had no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come. In the volume of the book, it is written of me to do your will, O God. 
previously saying, sacrifice and offering, burn offerings and offerings for sin you did not desire, nor had pleasure in them, which are offered according to the law. Then he said, behold, I have come to do your will, O God. He takes away the first that he may establish the second. By that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. I don't want to get into all the theology of this, but for generations, God's people had offered an animal as a sacrifice to cover their sin. That blood was used to cover their sin. But there came a time where God said, that offering sacrifice is not going to be enough. It's going to take somebody's blood to wash man's heart clean. So God had this plan from the beginning of time that Jesus would be the Savior. Now that time has come. Now that time has come. Could it have been a night? I want to ask you to use a little bit of imagination with me tonight, this morning. Could it have been a night where all of angels, uh, could it have been a night where all of heaven's angels might have assembled in celestial rank and file as God's son, the beloved prince of heaven, for the first time in eternity past, stepped off his throne, slid the royal robe off his shoulders, placed the righteous scepter into the hands of the Father and said, you did not want animal sacrifice or sin offerings. Instead, you've given me a body to offer. And then he said, look, I've come to do your will, O God, as is written about me in the scriptures. And with that, Jesus embraced the Father for what could have been the very last time to be born on earth. As we think about this, the words that we just sang, O holy night, take on a whole new, larger, and deeper meaning. Think about this with me for a minute. Jesus is sitting there on his throne, ruling over all of creation with Father God. And this night before Christmas in heaven, Jesus gets up off of his throne, takes his royal robe off, hands his scepter to his heavenly Father, and gives Father God a hug as all the angels of heaven look on. And then he's born as a baby. I mean, think about that. The King of kings and the Lord of lords giving up the glory and splendor of heaven to come be born as a peasant. Born to the poorest of the poor. And if you've ever been in a stable, you know, in a very safe, very healthy place for a baby. You have a baby in a stable today and the government's probably going to come down on all these codes that you're violating. But Jesus chose to accept that assignment. He said, God, I will do your will. Jesus knew what was going to happen. He knew that he would be born, that he would be persecuted, that he would suffer, that he would be crucified on the cross for your sin and for mine. He would be the only one in history that would ever live a sinless life, but yet he was charged with our sin and he carried our sin to the cross. Today as we go through, today and tomorrow as we go through our Christmas festivities, think about that night before Christmas in heaven and what went on there. I think the angels were excited because they knew God's plan of redemption was coming to pass because they had been serving as God's messengers from the beginning of time. I think they were excited when they appeared to the shepherds in the field and said, hey, behold, a Savior is born to you in the town of Bethlehem. I think there was an excitement because God's plan was coming to fruition. Satan was going to be defeated once and for all. 
He was going to be defeated. This year in the middle of our warm and wonderful holiday traditions, may we expand our worship beyond simply remembering that Jesus was born. Let us also remember why Jesus was born. He was born. Why he was born. But also remember what Jesus has done for us and will continue to do for us so that we might have life and have it more abundantly. As Jesus says in John 10, 10, he says, the enemy, say it with me if you know it, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come to give life and give it more abundantly. And that word abundantly in the Greek language means super abundance in quantity and in quality. Jesus came to do that for you and for me. So as we celebrate Christmas, remember, Jesus came, but remember why he came, but remember what our future is as well. Amen? Amen. Our servers are going to come, and they're going to serve us communion. Uh, what I shared was, is adapted from a friend of mine, a, a card that he sent, Pastor Gil Dearman. But I just want to challenge you to think about that night before Christmas in heaven. I think there was a whole lot of commotion going on, a lot of celebration. Pamela's going to play as we're served. I'd like to ask that we would all hold our elements until we're served, and I'll come back and we'll protect together. And then we're going to close our service with uh, uh, a congregational singing of Silent Night. Thank you.
thank you for what you did in coming. Jesus, thank you that you willingly stepped off your throne. Lord, Scripture tells in Philippians that you put off your deity to become human, to become a bondservant. Lord, somehow you were every bit man and every bit God. Jesus, thank you for what you did for us and pouring yourself out for us. Jesus, thank you for making a way for us to be reconciled to the Heavenly Father through your death and resurrection on the cross. Jesus, you gave your life and said, here, have of my body, eat, for it's broken for you. Here, take this cup that represents the blood of the new covenant that's been shed for you. Jesus, thank you for what you did. Thank you, Jesus, for saving our soul. If you're here today and if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, if there's any doubt about your eternity, I just want to challenge you right there in your seat. Say, Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Cleanse me of unrighteousness and make me right with you and become my Savior and my Lord. And he's promised if, he would, if we ask, he would forgive us. Lord Jesus, I thank you for what you've done in saving our souls. Lord, we're not perfect, but you're working, you're perfecting grace in our hearts and lives. Lord, I thank you for the promise of everlasting life. Jesus, thank you for the promise of heaven and and eternity spent in your presence, worshiping you and celebrating your goodness and your grace. Jesus, thank you that you are coming again. Jesus, that you're coming as the conquering king. Jesus, I thank you today for all you've done, for all you're doing, and for all you're going to do. And as we take hold of these elements representing your broken body and your shed blood today, Lord, we lay hold of the fullness of the promises that you have for us as children and people of God. I thank you and I praise you for it. Let's partake together. our servers are going to retrieve our cups and I want to invite you to stand with us this morning and we're going to conclude our service with singing and we're going to sing a cappella. so Pamela's going to help me but we're going to sing Silent Night and maybe we sing it through a couple of times can we do that Pamela and uh, I told her I would direct but Monty I need you to make sure you mute me for the sake of all of you and those listening online But as we sing this song, let's remember what that first Christmas Eve was like in heaven. Are you ready?
Shepherds quake at the sight. Shepherds quake at the glory stream. Glory stream from heaven afar. Heavenly hosts sing hallelujah. Savior is born.